Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing tremendous, and I'm sending you all of my prayers and well wishes your way to you, your family, your friends, and everybody you love and care about. We've got a phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have Joyce Anastasia on, and we are talking about extraordinary leadership during extraordinary times. We talk about her journey, uh, power with versus power over, owning our intuition, coming back to integrity, uh, the wisdom of indigenous tribes, near-death experiences, dynamic balance. A divine spark and God force, uh, Therify, the work of Dan Winter, the importance of engagement with nature, the origins of health and the Hippocratic Oath, and so much more. This is a phenomenal episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, please share it far and wide because censorship is still the real deal. Um, you can become a member at mattbaylor.com if you want to support the show for free or by donation. Just send me an email. And uh, if you want to get in that group there, uh, check out the Soul Compass, the Quantum Heart Hypnosis, and also the one on one coaching if you're interested in any of that. Just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching to make an inquiry and we can see how we can support you and your journey. Uh, we have just moved out of our home, so we're in a little bit of a transition. We'll also be traveling Italy for the month of August, but once we return and get settled, I'll be busting out a lot more episodes for you because we have some great guests lined up in the queue, so that's what's been going on in my world. Uh, you can follow me on Telegram as well, t.me forward slash mattbelair, and uh, I think I'll go back on Instagram again, even though everything is a bit nuts over there. So, um, that's a quick update for you guys. I hope that you are well. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with courage, peace, faith, joy. And get ready to enjoy this incredible episode with Joyce Anastasia. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. If you'd like to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com where you can become a member for exclusive content. You can do so for free or by donation. Um, help us get the word out there to overcome censorship. But the best thing you can do to support this program is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is a transformational leadership consultant, a peace ambassador of social healing and a top trusted intuitive advisor. With advanced degrees and extensive hands-on experiences in psychology, consciousness research, creativity, and innovative business processes, governance, and global ways of leading, healing, and being in the world, she evokes the best in people, encouraging power with collaborations, emotional intelligence, and ethically responsible decision-making from the personal to global. Welcome to the show, Joyce Anastasia. Thank you so much, Matt. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, I'm so excited for us to dive in. We had a wonderful uh, you know, chance getting to know each other a little bit just through our brief conversations. And your work is extensive. It's impressive. It has a lot of integrity behind it. So you have years of experience in fields that I really enjoy. Um, you wrote a book in 2015 that is perfect for the times right now. So all the work that you've done really is leading up to the, you know, the precipice or like this moment that we're in in the world. So it's becoming even more relevant. I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your background, your journey, some of the things that you went through to just get to you to where you are today and the work that you're doing. I appreciate that question. And I will say that I have led a thread through foundation, but a very meandering life. And, uh, and the meandering is 
picking up things along the way. So I would say my foundation is all about walking our life with integrity, leadership, and loving ethics, and being kind of a force for our connection with spirit. And I love your background related to that because it does bridge. And this has been my life, bridging between the spiritual and the concrete in our world and how, how to make things manifest, and especially now. So my background includes, as a very young girl, uh, being extremely intuitive and having many people be actually afraid of me. Now, people can see me. They can see that I'm pretty tiny, a tiny <laughs> physical being and in a tiny little package. Uh, however, uh, people have said that they have been intimidated by me because I think we are taught not to trust our intuition, not to trust that deep, small voice. And I intuitively, as a young person, knew that that was my connection to source. And so that's where I began very early on, is having many psychic, intuitive experiences that I wasn't even allowed to call psychic at the time. That's how talking about censorship. So when I went to school, college, I wanted to go for parapsychology. I wanted to get a degree in parapsychology. As soon as I started looking into the schools for that type of degree and, uh, and my motivation was I'd like to be able to help people in the world to bridge between their own gift of intuition, because I believe we all have it, and what they were creating in the world to make this an incredible, unique place to live. So when I started to deep dive the research on schools or institutions that were available, so many had been co-opted by the military or other overriding institutions. Not that the military is bad, because it certainly isn't as a whole functioning um, system. But what people were doing with these um, incredible gifts was to do something nefarious was to do something that ended up harming people instead of helping people. And that was the opposite of what I really wanted to do. So as a compromise, I ended up studying psychology at the master's degree level and fine arts. So com com combining the creative and the psychological, how, how to understand who we are as human beings and our unique soul prints in the world. Fast forward, uh, I ended up intersect, intersecting with leadership organizations, working for major corporations and combining those, teaching at the university level, again, combining those two, psychology and art, uh, infused with loving leadership, 
and uh, all the way to today, owning my own business called Lead by Wisdom. And I also owned another business called Soul Prince. And that kind of brings me in a logical way to, <clears throat> to here and now. Well, I love that overview and uh, it's, it's surmised very well because you've done a lot and you've worked with a lot of big organizations. But one of the things you said before we started and you touched on it here was you, your intention was how to invoke our greatest integrity, how to live in our greatest integrity. Because, you know, when I did my course and I thought about writing a book on it, I, I called it soul compass. It's like leading your life from your heart and soul, whether it's your intuition. And when you spoke about intuition earlier, you know, the psychic powers is, is like, you know, people put that in one thing with like the magic hat and stuff like that, which I think there's a, a realm to that. But as I've gotten older, it's just simplified to that intuitive sense that, that we all have, that we all have a sixth sense, a, a, an intuition about people, about life, about decisions are, we make coming from our body, from listening to ourselves first, rather than what's outside of ourselves. And our heart and the, and the body is connected to something bigger, something greater. But we're really taught as children to diminish that to only go with logic with what what's reasonable what's what rational um, but the rational decision and the conscious mind is just going to do what's safe so we're all going to be accountants or i say what we want to do is we want to find the safest job that will give us the most amount of money with the least amount of work you know and that's how we're going to live our life where if you look at people like alan watts he would say to people what would you do if money were no object that's moving closer to your soul print to who you truly are because if we're living that we are going to automatically be of service to other people I, th I think it's very very few people on this planet that ever want to harm anyone else and when you know who you are you live in joy you live in compassion you live with a high vitality and an energy and you grow as an individual and you you share that with other people so i'd love for you to share maybe a little bit about your book or a little bit about um how do you actually go about doing that because there's the money issue, there's all these logistics and, and how do we even begin to live with our integrity and kind of let go of all those other things that might hold us back? I think it really addresses many, many things that I do speak about in my book. Uh, for, for example, the first chapter is consciously choosing power with versus power over. Now, when I was a kid, I never learned about power. What does that even mean, right? Uh, except superheroes and uh, supervillains. But we each inherently are born with power, the power to live, the vital force that we are, the prana that we are. And when we speak to uh, using power with others, we are actually connecting our fields together in this beautiful way, like a dance, like even our dialogue. It's, it's a relational space. I feel your energy. I know instinctively you are not trying to power over me. You are doing this interview with the deepest degree of respect and so am I and I feel that from you I feel your energy I feel your power you are a very powerful being but you don't have to power over me in order for us 
to have this unfolding and manifesting of a fantastic interview and information shared into our world. Now, when people are not taught about power and they grow up where they're bullied, abused, uh, they're taught to power over others in order to control their world, then we have a problem. And a lot of people experience that in their lives and they're never taught how to unwind that. How do I unwind my own learning of power? And many women are afraid of power because, and it's not just a woman and a man thing, there are men who are afraid of power too. And this could not only happen in our, in our lifetime, this lifetime, but how, how did we use power in perhaps other lifetimes? And not everyone, not everyone in the audience is going to believe in past lives, but let's just say, let's just use the example of all the movies that we see in the world that represent many different lifetimes of many different characters. Um, just imagine if we were the main character in that and how we would learn about power from just experiencing a movie or being the, the star of a movie. Imagine our lifetimes teaching us and then we're bringing all that into this lifetime too and how we move through that. So power is a big deal. Truth. How do we learn about truth? It's bizarre what happens in, in our cultural aspects of truth telling. How did you respond when you found out that Santa Claus wasn't the Santa Claus we were described Santa Claus to be? How did you respond? Matt. Uh, I can't remember, but I feel like I was disappointed. I, I, you know, I feel like there was disappointment there. Yes, it was cognitive dissonance. How could, how could my parents, you know? But if the core of what that represented, which is a beautiful thing, what did Saint Nicholas represent? If it could have been described in the sense of St. Nicholas was a giver of health and well-being for people. If, if people were taught how to describe a story instead of having to lie, then it could be this incredible way to mentor children and our culture. Chapter three is, is about um, related to integrity. How do we bring integrity into our lives? And, and I describe experiences multiculturally where when you walk into an environment that is brought together by 
indigenous tribes. And their tribe is taught how to read people's energy. And, and then you are registered by that tribe when you walk in and they're tuning in to who you are. How open-hearted is this person to accept all the things they've done to harm people and all the things they've gifted people with? How open are they to looking at their own way of breaking integrity or breaking their own moral compass? This is a lesson that I wish we can all learn in our lives is taking stock, asking yourself, if I were to review my life, what points of my life have I contributed beautifully to someone else's life? And how many times or in what ways might ha I have harmed someone unintentionally or intentionally? When a person can do that and take stock in that way without beating themselves up and going into deep depression around their own actions, but to really take it in with no shame, no blame, but deep responsibility, that's when they can make a different choice, choose never to do it again, even if it's years later. Um, apologize, forgive others, and forgive self. And these are all segments of my book that talk about aspects of ourselves and the way that we interact in the world toward ourselves and toward others. Also, this is not just about you know, walking individually, but what about teams? What about corporations? What about systems that get co-opted and you say you just go a little bit out of integrity for a moment? How do we get back to center? How do we bring our systems back to the integrity that they probably initiated as startup companies? to do? How, do. how do we do that? Well, it certainly starts from us, but when we share that with others in this exchange, then it multiplies. We become mentors to others and we invite that with other people instead of blaming and playing the blame shame game, you know? Yeah. And it reminds me a lot of um, the idea when I was trying to kind of dissect what an awakened person is like, you know, when you wake up and you realize, oh, you know, your midlife crisis at 40 or whatever the case is, you're, you start to learn things about the world and you're like, maybe I'm not so thrilled about the way things are going. And I want to start to, you know, put my best foot forward. I did. I can't remember what it's called. The five agreements was the book. And it was, um, it was maybe episode like 40 or something. And the, the five invitations, Frank Ostaseski. 
right on. I remembered. Uh, brilliant podcast, amazing human being. And he worked a lot in hospice. And he wrote a book about the invitations and what he learned from people who are on their deathbed. And, and most people, you know, one of the regrets they had is not going for the things that meant most to them right? Living their life by their own integrity, living too safe, not, not doing the things that, you know, kept repeating in their mind and they were passionate about. And so one of the ideas about like this awakened world would be we go from competition to cooperation, right? So if you're in this competition mindset, there's not enough for everybody. It's a very different worldview that to, than cooperation, you know, to be your best, to see who you can collaborate with. Then you take that collaboration as a service to other people. But I think the foundational beginning to this, when we even get into leadership and other ideas is our own self-worth, our own integrity, our own understanding, um, you know, because we're, we're out of integrity with ourselves. What's most important to us, we're incongruent. What we say isn't congruent. What we're doing isn't congruent. What we're thinking isn't congruent. So we have to come to that congruence. And so before we get into leadership, I'm wondering if you can touch on that a little bit. How do people come to that raw honesty within themselves? Um, some people do, you know, ayahuasca retreats. And I just had uh, Benjamin Stewart on who talked a little bit about that. But the idea when if you do ayahuasca or you have a spiritual experience, it's like all of this stuff you've been lying to yourself about, all of these memories that are holding your back right in your face and it can be very traumatic you got to deal with them and not everybody's ready for that and so if you go about your life there are so many different mechanisms to not take accountability to not look at your limitations to not look at the things that you're afraid of and why you're making these choices and normally if you uncover those fears and you just write them all out they're not that bad but when they hide as monsters under the bed they're terrifying because you don't know how much power they have. But then when you when you bring them out, it's like a little bug. You know, my my daughter says, oh, I'm scared of this tiny little bug. I'm like, you're a million times the size of this thing. I know you're a baby, but it's so tiny. And I was like, if you knew the power you had, you would have no fear. And so I'm having her have conversations with the spiders. And, and so now we you know had a 10 minute conversation with a spider this morning, you know, and she sits there and we get she gets his spider's name. And I have to, you know, basically do a dialogue for 25 minutes or whatever the time was and it's beautiful but when she come to that understanding in this worldview that's different it empowered her to get over fear uh, so she can move about her day so that's a bit of a side note so can you just respond to that <laughs> oh, i i absolutely love the stories the little sidebar stories because you're absolutely right if you can speak to your own fear then it is so powerful. So I'm going to segue into how I did it for myself. And it's without going into too much detail, but let me just say this. Near-death experiences are spiritual wake-up calls in my, uh, in my experience. I had three. I really am in a place in my life where I try to teach people how they could experience the benefits of near-death experiences without having to experience the fallout of near-death experiences because when you actually pseudo-die, your body is, is affected. Your physiology is affected so there's there are things that you have to take care of on the flip side of near-death experiences that are sometimes very painful so 
near-death experience and coming to a place of shifting from making decisions out of love versus out of fear. So I had just come off of a um, divorce from um, a man who I loved very deeply, who was struggling with taking care of himself and, and making a decision like that was very, very challenging for me. We had been together for 17 years, but I knew that if I hadn't, then um, neither of us would be able to grow in the way that we needed to. So I was just coming off of that. I had just been told that because of my husband's position and losing his position with um, an illness he had, then uh, I also could no longer work at this place. So I lost my job and I chose to get divorced and my dad was diagnosed with cancer all within a very short amount of time. I moved to um, New York to be with my family to help support my dad moving through the cancer. And when he went into remission, I was on a job search for teaching position. And it was the first time, I think in a very long time, that I had moved away from loving decision-making into a fear space. I was in a fear space of, I have to get a job. I have to get a job in order to support myself. So I took a job that paid half of the salary I had been making previously. And the person who hired me from day one asked me to date him nonstop. He was my supervisor. And I kept saying no, kept saying no, until I got to a point where I truly was afraid of losing my job if I did not date him. Not a good place to be at all. And chose to date him. Fast forward, I came to a place of awakening where I knew that this was overriding my own, again, it was about power. I was powering over myself because I was operating out of fear. And I was dating a man that I didn't really want to date. And so I broke it off. And a series of things had happened after that. But a little while later, he so much wanted me to get back together with him. And I was still working full time at this university that he literally like exploded and started strangling me. And I literally um, lost consciousness. And that was my third near-death experience. This one I saw and was brought to a place of looking back at my life, 
the traditional tunnel kind of exit. And I was shown a book. And the book was my life in this lifetime. And it was related to all of those things that I spoke of before with the mamos from the from Colombia who would register you of your things that you have done that were beautiful. This is what I, I was shown things in which I had harmed people and ways in which I had helped people. And it was, I was actually very shocked at how many beautiful things there were that I was being shown. And it brought me into complete uh, beautiful tears. And then I was brought to a place of master teachers and told that this was carried over from other lifetimes. Now we want you to see, if you're open to it, Joyce, to see what happened before this. And I was shown of other lifetimes where I had inadvertently harmed this man and it was a in a way it was a karmic link that brought me into proximity with him in this lifetime that doesn't give anyone license to uh harm people but it made it made it understandable what was taking place that previously did not seem understandable at all. How could someone want to harm me who I've done nothing but beautiful things for? It did not make sense, but in this space it did. And so I was given a choice. I was told, would you like to leave? Or would you like to go back? And I said, I actually would like to go back because I know that my work isn't done. And this lesson is a lesson I don't want to repeat again. And with that knowledge and understanding and depth of recognition in my body, I viscerally felt it that I had a choice. I could choose to make decisions out of love and have the foundational belief that there is support underneath when you do that, even if it means losing your job. Who wants to choose a job when you are threatened to have to date someone it's 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 not healthy it's it's out of fear and each of us make those decisions in very strange ways so my invitation is choose life choose life and and course correct so I had to ask for help. How do I get out of this thing? I'm going to come back and I'm still going to be being in the middle of being strangled. What do I need to do? And I was given instructions as to how to get out of that situation and to start 
my life again. It was a new beginning. It wasn't easy, but it was a new beginning. And everyone has that opportunity literally at every moment of their life, decisions they make. Wow. Well, that is an incredibly powerful story. And when you look at the near-death experiences, it does seem that often people will get a, some type of life review uh, you know, that happens. So it seems that uh, that's a constant there, which is fascinating. I met uh, a, 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 I don't know what you call it, a tribal member of the Mamos when I was down at the Mayan fire ceremony. Very beautiful person, very uh, funny. I think they spend, not all of them, or, or maybe all of them, like the first 10 years in the dark or something like that, something, something wild, which is really interesting and so they really have this um just well the one that i met anyway that he was very calm and he was very witty and very interesting and made me want to learn spanish right away and so it's really beautiful to have those experience with the indigenous teachers and a lot of the wisdom that we've disregarded um you know we don't have a really strong connection and even myself having relationships with multiple native american elders um it's still hard to either have them open up or, or the tribes even want to tell us anything from what has occurred in the past. So even though I've had some relationships with some of the elders, I couldn't just go somewhere and, and say, Hey, you know, I'd love to learn more. They're, they're very reserved. And even when I would travel with the elders, uh, some of the other uh, indigenous were very upset that I was there um, because they felt it was sacred. So, you know, if there are any relationships out there with the indigenous cultures, I feel like that's something that's to be honored and, and very uh, beneficial because sadly two of the elders that I knew and learned from and, and really leaned on for support and would ask a, a lot of questions to have passed on. And it's just this library of wisdom because they have these oral teachings and I think they're so beautiful and vast. Um, there's a lot of things I'd like to touch on, but I'll, I'll give you one question because I have a, you know, one of my best friends, I hadn't seen him for a long time and we kind of debate things. And over the years, it seems to me he's, um, and this is the best interpretation from listening to his perspective. It seems like right now when we're having conversations about the world, his idea is like, don't worry about the evil stuff. Um, it's just a waste of energy. And, you know, it's like, how many, how much do you need to like, you know, focus on protecting yourself and doing all these different kinds of things um, where my perspective is we need to be aware of it, but we don't want to be drowned by it, which happens very often. Right. It was like, oh, you know, it's like, if you go camping, you should have the tools ready for uh, that. You need that for an emergency. If you go snowboarding it, the sketchier place you go, you better have your avalanche gear and all these different things. It's not to be afraid of it and not go there, but you need to balance that out where if you don't recognize that maybe there are people who are, who have ill intent in the world and you don't at least acknowledge that and say, okay, what am I going to do to prepare for that in a reasonable way? And that's my, when I come back, it's like, it's a balance because from my perspective, he went and he got a medical treatment, which I think can potentially harm him. Um, because he didn't look at it, right? He just went and go did it. But I looked at it and I could find evidence that, you know what, this isn't a treatment I would like to participate in. I'm going to say no to that. Um, and so that kind of proves to me that that way of thinking really isn't the most ideal. I feel like it's a balanced view. And but I feel like you can go too far where you're stuck in the darkness. And I'd, I'd love for you to speak on, you know, the people out there that kind of see how things are going, because especially in Canada and other places, if you don't want to go along with the masses, right, right now, they're really pushing a lot of stuff in the schools. Um, it's like almost out of a comedy with the LGBTQ. It's like, it's like 15 letters now in Canada, and we don't even know what they mean. And now it's like all this gender stuff. And 
as an adult, you can do whatever you want. I don't care whatever that is. As an adult, do whatever you want. But when you take a kindergarten kid and you start manufacturing it on purpose, it becomes a different thing in my view. And so this is kind of a side note, uh, but, but I know it can lead to harm because I've seen it. So I guess the question is when there is this kind of agenda that people wake up to, you can, you can view it a few different ways, but it does make it challenging for my friends who didn't make that choice, can't travel, can't put their kids in dance, can't really do much in Canada unless you go along with the status quo and bend your knee to Caesar. Um, you know, myself and a lot of other people don't want to do that. So how do we kind of maintain, yeah, this is what they're architecting. And guess what? You know, especially if you're listening to the United States, they've done very well in Canada. If you don't want it to come there, just be aware of what's going on and say no every step of the way and um, be accountable for, for the situation. Um, and so I'll give one more analogy where, um, one person that I'm, you know, doing some coaching with, you know, their school system, you know, they're like, oh, the school system is totally fine, but I've listened to the calls. Uh, my, my wife is a teacher, some of the calls and what they want to put into these schools. This isn't what I would call peak performance or the height of human education, you know, for kids, they're actually indoctrinating them into some pretty interesting things that I don't think are going to be beneficial in the long term. but that's my opinion. And uh, I just see it happening. And if I'm not aware of it, how do I make a choice? So that might be the longest question ever <laughs> asked. <laughs> so I'd love for you to just give some feedback on that. Well, uh, let me see if I can parse it out because there were like three questions. <laughs> so, so let me start with the one you began with, which was about balance and the quote, I'm just going to say quote unquote evil in the world. I am an advocate of we can, we don't live in bubbles. We chose to be here on this earth plane, which is a dense planet. It's a dualistic planet. We feel things. When we get cut, we bleed. There is a there is an energy and a vibration that we have to deal with bodily and and psychologically and emotionally and spiritually that can we can't just ignore the things that are impacting us if we stand in front of a car we will get run over and probably pass out of our bodies so i completely feel supportive of this notion of dynamic balance this is another chapter in my book the dynamic balance is where we try to leverage what decisions we make based upon what we're experiencing, experiencing in our physiological world. So, for example, I have many, many clients who have been, quote unquote, forced to take the vaccine if they're going to stay in their positions in their jobs in their in their um in their positions or to be able to keep their family businesses so what i encourage them to do is not only look at the research and i will be happy to give them all the research that I have done, which has been a lot. And then 
they have to make their own decision based upon their unique experience with what they're choosing. I choose not to put something in my body that I that I know is going to be harmful for me. Just like when I was growing up, this is a crazy thing. It was like right on the tail end of DDT being sprayed in our neighborhood as a little kid. And this fog would come across our, our world. And I knew it was unhealthy for me. I literally like got under my covers of my bed and went like this, not that it might have helped. But there are things that we can do as human beings to protect ourselves as much as possible and to, uh, we, we have to make different choices sometimes. If I had children, I would definitely make the choice of homeschooling. And I would be making these choices because when I think of educating, I think of providing experiences that evoke the greatest gifts of our children and to provide them with basic understanding of science, of math, of art, of uh, creativity, of physics, of I could go on and on about things um, without having an agenda that has a conflict of interest by groups that are actually lobbying monies toward education toward that end it is a it is a system that has become so corrupted of the core values of what was intended originally in educating um, and i could transfer that to systems like our medical systems. The medical system was originally intended through the Hippocratic Oath, which was to do no harm and to help people holistically for their body, mind, spirit. These are the original words of where the physician, the word physician came from, is to honor the the whole system optimal health optimal functioning of our beingness this is what i feel about all systems so we can only do our part we cannot control what is going on right now but we can do our own part in making these choices and and we can do what we can to mentor others to do the same thing. So in my work as a transformational leadership consultant and all the work I do with individuals and groups is I say, what is the focused issue? What's going on in our world that we are looking at to shift and make better? Let's say a company wants to make more money, but it cannot be at the expense of the human vessel, uh, the human being. And so I look at ways, how do you balance? 
how do you create a, a beautiful governance system where people can speak to what can help so that we're all working toward the same goal? This comes full circle to your other word, competition. I'm going to say this. I was shocked when I learned this, and I love this. So the core, original meaning of the word compete is to strive together for. Hmm. Who the heck co-opted that word and the meaning of that word to be what competition is now? So to compete meant to strive together for. That is precisely what I am talking about with powering with each other. Unique beings coming together, and we are incredibly unique human beings. And we do have threads of commonality. When brought together, can manifest incredibly beautiful things on this planet. Instead of taking down the system. <laughs> wow. Well, I love all that. that everything you said was uh, just beautiful. I, I remember the DDT thing, which is so funny, which if people don't know is a poison that they used to go around in towns and spray on everybody and tell the kids to go run in the street. Same system, you know, as now going on. So, and then we got fluoride, um, you know, in the water and they used it for different purposes. You look at that and you see the, um, the indoctrination they did a parks and rec that i noticed it was on and i overheard it and they're like you know and and the whole episode is how fluoride is good for you and it's proven i was like no it is not but mainstream news to try to you know indoctrinate you to do that is uh you know a not ideal thing so i love everything that you shared and i'd love for you to speak a little bit about um the miraculous nature you go on that and and in your book and you talk about um you know we are miraculous and remembering uh makes us whole again so i'm curious if you can talk on that because i'd love to go to the next part after that is the vital keys of transformation i think those are two important things because it's like i've heard this from spiritual teachings it's like you are the apex here um you know you have the divine spark within you know god god came into man we are a part of that i used to interpret it as like okay like i'm a i'm like am i a god on this planet it's like no because i i know i'm so limited i was like but that's within me that i have a piece of that i'm created by that so i am connected to that intelligence but i am not that intelligence but that divine spark is in me it's guiding me to you know have this experience through me so that is like a father figure that's helping me through this and i can say in my experiences it, it has guided and kept me safe and that's all i have to go on you know and so um i just be curious your experience in your understanding of our miraculous nature and how we can get into our power because it doesn't mean like i think when people get into this stuff and even myself included i'm reading books on like telekinesis and um, doing all these different stuff which which might become a power or an ability later and it could be um, flustered through a myriad of things from the poisons that we get as kids and all the stuff and all the waves it could be that uh, but you can still just call someone you know and those will come in time um, but you know, that's more like, uh, I think a little bit egoic, you're right. Oh, I can tell, like, you don't want to be able to tell someone's future. You want to be able to communicate with them on a real basis. Right. So right. I'd just be curious, you know, your ideal of our miraculous nature, because I, I think it could be like us being uh, goldfish turning into dolphins, 
right? Or that butterfly, we could be moving into this thing, but it's our integrity. It's like the simplicity of like the dirtiness um, of like life, you know, the, the, the harshness, you know what I mean? It's not perfect. It's not, you know, straight all the time. It's just messy. And that's just what it is. And so if we can navigate that mess beautifully and, and kind of understand our inner world, our heart, our feelings, and our actions in this messiness. That's where our power is. It's not to not be messy and predict everything and have it, everything go perfect and be super happy all the time, which is, it seemed to be like, that was a little bit my idea when I was younger. Now it's like, oh, it's navigating this mess with more peace and more grace and more surrender and more uh, compassion. Yes. Yes. And, and what if, what if we, what if our future self invited our past self to come back here again to help navigate in a better way? You know, like sometimes I think that's what we're here to do is to bring the past and future into the into the now and and work with it. And you know, and your audience knows this, when you are focused on the all the caca in the world <laughs> excuse that um very technical expression there but there's a lot of unhappy things that are going on in our world right now and i'm you know i'm very focused on the research so i see a lot of it and sometimes for some people it is overwhelming but here here's the thing about it if you get so attached to it or attached to being a hero of your time that's not what this life is about what what i believe this is about is what are you going to do with your own life are you going to stay focused on all the things that are going wrong or are you going to take this vital energy that we have that we're gifted with even those who have horrible disabilities and have many things happen in a, their lives that feel like nonstop suffering. But if, if we took the energetic space to um, really look at the beauty in our world and to gift beauty in our world, you, you have this wonderful statement. I've heard you say it many times on your on your podcasts. You know, do three kind and beautiful things to people in this day. Or there I'll give you I'll give you an, a personal example. For the last two weeks, I injured my elbow. It was a pure accident. I was, I was going on a trip to Hawaii to work with my clients in workshops. It's the first time I was seeing them in person in two and a half years. And I was really excited and really um, just energized around the whole thing. Well, as you know, life isn't perfect <laughs> life goes bananas sometimes i arrive i find out that the facility has new restrictions that they decided to put into place and they were going to charge me a thousand dollars more for the facility and i could go on and on instead of 
being reactive. I didn't throw it under the rug. Absolutely not. I knew I was frustrated and angry <laughs> and upset. But I took a breath and said, yeah, I'm, I'm not really happy with this, but I have to sit with this for a moment before I respond because I want to respond in a, in a thoughtful way about, I'm not going to deny that I wasn't angry, but I don't want to blast them not knowing what their circumstances were about their personal experience of top down telling them what to do. So I, I sat with it and I said, okay, what are my alternatives? So I reached out to my clients and I said, told them what was going on. And I said, is there anyone willing to host this workshop? They stepped into a beautiful place of generosity. And I was able to hold this workshop at this amazing person's home. And uh, of course, then I got to gift her with a thank you of that exchange. And I got to tell the facility why I chose not to go with them and made it very clear. In the meantime, I was working on a project, a physical project with my brother to help him out. He lives in Maui. And as when I came off of that workshop, I helped my brother, a 35 mile an hour gust of wind took the door, the heavy door, and slammed me into my elbow. Uh, long and short of it, my arm swelled up like double, triple its size. And, um, and I had to deal with that. This is a physical thing. And for 30 years, I have not taken antibiotics. And I had to take antibiotics. So there's this navigating in, in a way that allows you to be present and then miraculous things happen as a result of that. So here, the miraculous outcome of my taking time, being in a loving space, still not denying that I was angry and, and reaching out and humbling, being humble to the request needing help as a facilitator. It was this exchange. What came back to me was this miraculous gift of a place for my workshop, my arm swelled up triple its size. I had to override my normal way of addressing medical stuff by opening up to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, once in a while, the allopathic method will help to bring down the swelling enough so it could heal. Now, I normally am allergic to all medications. The miracle was this antibiotic worked after not using antibiotic for 30 years. 
wasn't a happy making thing that I had to make that choice, but I had to do something because that was the circumstance. And then I took time when I got back to go into retreat for four days because my arm needed to get well. And I spent time meditating. I met and other people would say, how could you afford to do that? Well, you can't look at it just like that. It's a whole system thing. When I don't work, I don't get paid. And so, but what was most important? What was the pathway to the miraculous healing that was going to take place was that I needed to take care of my physical body. I had to. And I chose to, and now my arm is almost all better, and I am happily talking with you, and if it weren't for this beautiful exchange and power with, with other people, it, it does take a village. It's not just from the inside out. The inside out is one piece of this miraculous play that unfolds. And we, we have the opportunity at each moment to evoke those miraculous responses that, that come through. And sometimes it's not easy, but that's, that's um, just a, a little bit of examples of when life seems to go berserk. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful story. And it just reminds me of this consistent theme that the world is... Uh, you can either kind of have this victim consciousness like, oh, what was me? The world's happening to me. Why is this happening? Or, you know, the world is happening for me. All my circumstances are happening for me. So even the challenging ones, which those ones are just, they're just tough pills to swallow because we have our preferences. Um, but life, you know, doesn't always give us our preferences. And, you know, I learned through martial arts that you're doing a lot of these hard things. So you get better when you get a good trainer, you know, the best trainers put you through the most ruthless things that you would never prefer or do on your own to forge you into this new level of being a stronger, better version of yourself. And so we could think that the universe is doing this you know, for us, for our growth, when we just don't have this perimeter understanding of why we have to go through this. So it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's a more empowering uh, perspective. And I've also come across this other one where I was just contemplating the other day and, and looking through this, you know, some of the nonsense that's going on in the world where it's, it's endless. And I was a little bit frustrated and a little bit worried. And I just sat there and contemplated it for a little bit. And um, now I've been doing this practice a little more with the somatic where, you know, you take that worry and you just find where it is in the body and you sit with it and, and you can ask certain questions to, you know, you know, where's this worry coming from? What's, what's the deepest fear that I have and just sit with it for a second to see what comes up. And I can't, I came to this idea that um, no amount of worry will change the will of God. You know, so this big picture, this big overarching thing of my town and Canada and the world and all these, you know, food shortage and inflation and all the nonsense that's going to happen, nothing will change the will of God. 
And it is in my view, that's God's benevolent. I'm on that team. It might not be an easy journey. I might uh, pass away, you know, at some time, but we all pass away no matter what team we're on. But I'll know that when I have that life reflection, I'll have done my best. I haven't done perfect. I've done, made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of things I, you know, would like to change, um, but I can wake up every day with that intent. You know, I was like, you know, how do I guide my life? You know, invite, um, spirit god creator jesus whoever it is for you to help guide your life or, or whatever it is that you resonate with and then try to you know walk that path and, and and do the best that you can and i'd be curious um in your book you talk about personal and world transformation through vital keys when we have i think for people like you and i when i was younger i was like why don't we live in this like futuristic world of peace where we have free energy and everybody's collaborating working together as i look through the you know uncover the stones i realize a few people want to control the whole thing and they don't really have the best interests at heart for everybody you know they're they're kind of think the opposite of how i think where you'd want to love your neighbors and cooperate and get to know them and solve your differences i was like why are we not doing that so you know, I love the idea of this collaborative world, a world of peace. And one of my Native American teachers would say the next upgrade for humanity is peace. And so we have to have peace within ourselves. We have to empower ourselves. Ideally, that can spread to the world, but it gives me a little bit of um, just peace to say, you know, what? I'm going to give the greater issue to God, the creator, that power overarches every single thing here. I think it even says in the Bible, fear not the plans of man. Um, because, you know, if God wants to step in, that's it. And you have your choice with the experiences you have. So, you know, have spirit and God with you. And I reminded of, I don't know if somebody told me this on the podcast, but it was a guy in like some African country where it was war and just this craziness, right? And they just lived in a small hut and they were uh, very, very poor. And he just had a strong spiritual belief and said, we are taking care of, we're going to be okay. And it happened so that there was war and it got so crazy. They had to leave their home. Their house would get you know, robbed all these different times. And he had to escape the country and everybody was blocked off. And he just had this conviction that he was going to get out and ended up, you know, the, the gates kind of, the seas parted. They chose him and his family. They got him out and he ended up um, being able to make it to Canada. So, you know, it's just a story like that with some of the strong conviction. It's just nice to hear, right? But only him and his conviction um, could he get there? But even if that didn't happen, if you have that conviction and connection with creator, uh, God, whatever that is for you, and you're making those decisions, no matter how hard it gets to, to do the right thing, right? Just continually moving to the right thing. So I think the wrong thing is to oppress, right? You can protect, but if you're trying to manipulate, to oppress, to harm, that's probably not the cooperative thing. And so you're moving towards that peaceful resolution. Doesn't mean you can't protect yourself. You know what I mean? Protection is a whole nother thing. You need to protect yourself, do as you wish. You know what I mean? If you've asked three times and, you know, or done your best, you can protect, but you know, you can also run away pretty quick. So um, it's pretty easy to know what the, the good thing is or the compassionate thing is, in my opinion, for most circumstances. So I'd love your thoughts on the personal and world transformation through Vital Keys. And when you speak about that, what does that mean? Yeah, you have touched on so many of them. Like, um, I think that each of us just as you brought up before, are like holograms of the God, uh, great spirit, all that is divine, divine source. And I see it as the divine masculine and feminine 
in enveloping everything. You know, when you look up the religious texts of what God means, what great spirit means, what divine source means, it's all the same, which is it's all in everything. Now, you said something very significant that I really resonate with that people are starting to talk about we we are gods. I don't um, I don't think that that is a very good way to to do it verbally with our with our limit of our words. What what I believe as human beings is we couldn't possibly contain everything and all that is in us and without imploding. <laughs> so we wouldn't be able to comprehend it and hold it, right? However, that hologram of God is, of course, within us. I really believe that that's why we're called the children of God, because we are the products of creation and we can create. Now, you have already said this before, and you've interviewed many people in the physics realm. One of the laws is nothing that has been created can be destroyed. Even though people talk about destruction all the time, right? What does that mean, right? I believe that it means that our souls are eternal that are the culmination of our experiences, wherever they may be, uh, are held in that wholeness, that whole container of, of that hologram of God source, God spark, divine source. And that when we tap into that, that's when the cities start to happen. The the powers that you speak of. When we let go of the need to control and, and we literally embrace our fullest selves in conjunction with other people embracing their fullest selves, that's when this these collaborative resonant sparks can occur. Now, I've done a lot of research and projects on working together with small teams of people and how powerful the energy is for personal to global healing. We witness it. We hear about it. We, I hold a, a group. It's very rare for me to hold closed groups, but I hold a closed group on Tuesday night because just like with wisdom and mystery school teachings, it is very important that the people who are exposed to teachings, and this gets to your mama's question to an indigenous teachings, they would not let you sit in on everything because of this protection of we don't know this person yet. We don't know their soul's intention yet. 
because our intentions and thoughts as human beings are hyper-powerful. Just think of yourself when you think of things. That expression, be careful what you wish for, is related to this. So when we do uh, let go of the need to control others or feel like we're going to be destroyed, and so we have all this fear around being destroyed, when we shift into the understanding of our soul's evolution is ever ongoing, eternal. When we step into that as a human being on this planet, then we can even further tap into those other city powers that are not for display, that are not to say, look at me, you know? Uh, the indigenous peoples who are healing practitioners, they don't say, I'm a healer, I'm going to heal you. It's not about that. It's about relational space. When the student is ready, the teacher will come. And when the teacher is ready, the student will come. This is a relational. And it has always been that. We are not islands on this planet. So when we are sitting in this, I want to learn, I want to be open, I want to be curious, I want the best for you, that beautiful soul that you are, I want the best for you. So when I enter into a relational space with you or your company or whatever, I am making a contract that my whole being is committed to your greatest health. And your responsibility in that is your greatest commitment is for your greatest health. And when those match, the resonant vital keys start clicking into place. And this, this notion of wisdom school that I work with my clients who I know pretty well are ready for, it is those teachings, and it, it's not like held like I'm controlling it, it's, it's held out of protection for self and others so that the agreement is these powers with these powers come great responsibility you've heard that before right these are incredible powers we have as human beings that we when we tap into we can make mountains move and it is in collaboration with the divine that we do so so when you say you see all this craziness in the world I say to you, take time to re-interiorize. Be a mentor for your beautiful daughter who is learning how to communicate with another soul of a spider whose name is what? 
What I is it? I make up so many different names. I think okay, I call him Carl. So, <laughs> let's, let's just call her Charlotte for honoring Charlotte's web story. Um, these things are so important. So when my clients get sick with cancer, I have them speak to their cancer because it is a part of them. Somehow for cancer, it might be, oh, I need to learn more about boundaries because this thing is just eating away at me. Well, if it's eating away at you, then you need to ask it to leave. Because if you are not there, it cannot survive either. <laughs> you see? So, so speaking to your dis-ease is a part of you. Speaking to team members, you talked about ayahuasca. I want to I want to address this. This was so important. I'm so glad I just remembered this. I am a supporter of people who feel a need and a connection with that sacred plant, as well as other mechanisms that are non non harmful that are being used sacredly to evoke the greatest response of their bodies, minds, souls, and spirit. You are accurate in saying if people are not being supported or witnessed, the original ayahuasca ceremonies always had a support person right next to you to help you to navigate through these inverted life recognitions of painful choices that we've made, right? Without that, it is supportless that's not healthy. It's a not a healthy thing when you're just, in a way, thrown to something you are not ready for, right? So I am a complete advocate for a sacred supportive ceremony that it was intended to be from the ayahuasca and that the ayahuasca not be uh, trivialized as it has become so popular in all the corporations, they're all doing it, and they're cutting down the roots of ayahuasca that are too young and end up becoming very toxic to the system because they have not matured enough to do the sacred medicine they were intended to. They're supposed to wait 10 years for the vine to be ready for this ceremonial space. And the preparation for the medicine is a two-day process that it, it, it's not just whipped together in some lab somewhere. It is a whole sacred ceremony around the preparation and the honoring, the gifting of the plant that we have been gifted with. This is just one example. The other piece of this that is really important in having studied psychology and worked in 
psychiatric hospitals where medicines were doled out like candy, which I was never a supporter of. I would always give the most minimal diagnosis so that people can allow their healing from the inside out. Um, is this notion of when something becomes popularized, like ayahuasca, it becomes a trendy thing to do versus why is my soul calling me to meet with the ayahuasca plant? Do you see the difference in how the perspective is? So intention is absolutely critical in our lives. And intention along with gratitude, forgiveness of others, forgiveness of self, allowing for a release of emotional tension, which never is allowed in our world. You know, you become a hysterical woman or uh, an abusive man, you know, and, and, and so I have all sorts of practices around get that emotional release where you're not harming yourself or others. Don't do it through addiction. Pick something else like have a pillow fight with your partner, you know, or have a pillow fight with yourself or run around the block. If you can run around the block 150 times, do it like a mantra. Chop wood, carry water until you're exhausted and it all bleeds out. So then you can become and kick in from the um, medulla oblongata and all of our reptilian, you know, emotional reactivity and engage another part of our brain where we can say, Ooh, ooh, I needed to I needed to release some of this energy in my nervous system and my emotions were there to protect me, but I'm not going to use them against someone else. Without throwing things under the rug. Wow, well, I, I love all that and I, I feel like your comments on ayahuasca are very accurate. Um, it's kind of how I felt about it. I remember just going to Burning Man and, um, you know, the first year, nobody knew what it was. Second year, a few, third year, a lot of people in fourth year became a, a popularized thing and diminished the serious nature of why you would want to do something like that because people would put in the same category of may, maybe like LSD or mushrooms as like, this is a very uh, sacred thing. And if you go to the the true shamans, um, you know, then, then I got, remember this, uh, person that had reached out and I communicated with and you know they were doing these ceremonies with you know quote unquote you know shamans that have been doing it for a year it's like that is like not a shaman you know what I mean like that is a you are like it's like um I don't know a farm cooked meal from a farmer with like a you know pasture everything they do it themselves to go to McDonald's I was like these are very different things it's like they're kind of similar but like one person is doing a lot more and it's a very different experience so you can't even compare them it's 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 a bigger it's a bigger thing like that it's a I'll have to think have to think of another analogy but I you're you're so on point in that and I just love where it comes back to the you know 
the messages of like kindness, collaboration, compassion, you know, our own journeys and, and where we are. Um, this whole broadcast has been beautiful. And I'm just curious, is there any topic or anything that you wish that you I had covered or anything that you want to, you know, discuss before we close this beautiful episode? I think I want to speak to getting back to engagement with nature. That what has happened with this shutdown, uh, it has, in a way, pushed people away from engagement with one another, which is critical and important. And the whole element of touch is really, really important. And I, and I mean, non-sexual touch, where we're actually taking a moment to look into each other's eyes, to be present to the energetic and whole beingness of the people in front of us and our incredible nature. Like <laughs> when I was going through my elbow pain, I, I sat outside. I, I took a, a hike and sat on top of a ridge where you could see 360 around um, the Golden Gate Bridge, San Francisco area. And it was, as always, so spectacular for me. It always moves me almost to tears. And I was sitting there and in this meditative space, and I had this vision, and the vision was this. Joyce, your healing this time is now going to come through love bombs. And I thought it was a hilarious statement. Bombs, as in B-A-L-M-S slash B-O-M-B-S. So you have to bombard your body with love bombs first, and then you can share it with those in the world. So as I am sitting there, all of these birds start literally like sitting around me like like a, a council of birds <laughs> and i love birds but it was again it was miraculous because i have moved into quiet loving intention of dear universe what would you like me to be do bring out into the world for optimal life optimal healing. Then a dog came up to me, licked my elbow, and was all excited, went on. Then two cats, two cats on, on a hiking trail came up and literally went around and around my arm, both of them. One came up to my face and did this. And I just think, see, how long did it take? One minute? One minute of love bomb energy. And nature heard the call. This is what I feel like we're, we're forgetting about. We forget about. 
right? So my book that I wrote, when I was done writing the whole thing and having it reviewed by Foster and Kimberly Gamble and these beautiful people who gave the most, it takes a village to do a book. Such gratitude to everyone who helped support me. I took each chapter that I had um, a manuscript for and took one week per chapter and went out into nature and asked nature, is there anything more I need to add to this chapter related to you, related to earth, related to all creatures? And I got the most incredible feedback. And so I added at least a paragraph for each chapter related to that experience. Beautiful. Well, I, I totally agree. I feel like we need to get back to spending time in nature, uh, disconnecting from our devices, you know, um, more time in creativity. I think in stoicism, they, they make the distinction between alive time and dead time. You know, dead time is just passive watching the TV scrolling the endless uh, fear of what's going on in the world. The world, if you look at the TV is on fire, but it's always been on fire. It is a little bit different than it has been before. Um, but my, my suggestion has been, okay, if you want to look at it, look at it a bit and then focus full time on the solution because the bigger the issue the more of your time energy attention and will it's going to take to create that solution if you don't know what the solution is just keep steering towards it intending it finding community doing what you can but empower yourself and make sure that you can come into a state of this equilibrium your, your inner world uh, can handle these challenges that are coming because they're going to make you a better community member a more uh, aligned uh, person because worry isn't going to change anything right it's just respecting what's going going on and say, okay, how am I going to adapt to this and know that you're going to be led and figure out a solution. It might cause you to let go of some things and move into new scenarios, but just do your best to trust in the process and have faith because faith is also, you know, maybe not quite, but the opposite of fear. Um, and it's also moving more into surrender, you know, so I will be taken care of no matter what happens. Um, and I have really wealthy friends that I've heard, you know, I've talked to you before and they said, you can take everything from me. I know how to build it up again. You know, I know, I know what it takes to be successful and we might be getting success in a new way than that was different than before. Right. And so it's being able to let go of those things that no longer serve you or that you don't think are aligned with your values and what you want to bring to the world. And then, you know, really embodying what that solution is. And you might be having to forge the path, but I think that this is the leadership role and what we're called to. So um, I just appreciate you coming on and all the work you do. I invite people to check out your your website and your book, which is written five years ago, but very timely for, the, for what's going on now. So is there anything else that you'd like to uh, share or leave the listeners with and make sure you can, they uh, can find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, there is just one more thing. And that is, I also invite new technologies, but with any kind of tool, like our own personal tools of our bodies and the way we interact with each other, technological tools have to be very carefully um, used with integrity as well. So I encourage new businesses who are creating new technologies to not override uh, looking at seven generations into the future around the impact of it. This device right here that you can see in my home is 
is called Verify. It is based upon Nikola Tesla technology, and it intersects with our electromagnetic field to help to balance us. And I use it in conjunction with the work that I do with individuals for their optimal health and well-being and their leadership and and do a very interesting what I would call uh, self-guided through this facilitation how to help to heal one's own body and that was, that was created by Dan winter correct yes yes that guy if you want to go down a weird well not weird but very fascinating deep rabbit hole that you can stay forever check out Dan winter what a very fascinating interesting uh, fellow who was all who is still brilliant yes so um, my book is called extraordinary Le leadership during extraordinary times it's important that middle word because there are a lot of other books out there and here is the cover that um my brother and i created it's the flower of life uh superimposed three-dimensionally on the earth on purpose so that it addresses other dimensions and uh you can reach me at joyceanastasia at gmail.com or my website, which is leadbywisdom.com. And I am, uh, I want to extend to your audience, if you mention your podcast, I would like to extend a 20% discount on any services, individual con consults, group sessions, or evoking the miraculous um, wisdom school that I offer twice a year. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, that's kind. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I invite everyone to go check out your work. Uh, they're, they're your, your website has a lot of information. Your book is, like I said, perfect for right now. You know, the extraordinary times have just become more uh, challenging recently. So um, it's very fitting for the times. Just thank you so much for coming on in your work. And uh, thanks everybody for watching. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate you so much. Oh, my pleasure. See you guys. See you in the next one. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely amazing Joyce Anastasia. I hope that you enjoyed that show. And if you did, please share it far and wide. Consider leaving a review on uh, iTunes or Facebook or wherever. Um, consider becoming a member at mattbelair.com. You can do so by donation like a Patreon, or you can actually have it for free as well to get access to exclusive content. If you just email me, matt at zenathlete.com, I will happily make you a link. Uh, check out some of the programs like the Soul Compass course, the Quantum Heart Hypnosis, and the one-on-one -on -one coaching if you're interested in working with me or the Zen Athlete program for peak performance, also used in entrepreneurship and any other endeavor because it is the guide to self-mastery, to excellence, to achieving your goals and dreams and also helping you define clearly what those are with from your authentic level of being your true self your heart your soul so you're not wasting all that time and energy on something that is truly not the uh, thing that's most aligned for you that excites you the most and if you're not sure what that is I can definitely support with helping you get on that track because it's not a final destination it's more of a direction so that's it guys uh, thank you so much for listening I appreciate you as I've said I'm in the middle of a move and I will be traveling in the month of August so um, the content isn't as 
coming out as hot as it normally is, but uh, I'm getting resettled here and we'll reorganize and be putting out a lot of great content because there's a lot of amazing guests in the queue that want to share their wisdom and knowledge with you guys. And I'm excited to be able to share a platform and, and give them a voice. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we end this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, courage, faith, energy, power, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.